We have been in a sermon series called Jesus Is, and we're going to continue that message, uh, that series today. Um, The idea behind this series is to discover who Christ is, and it's not to ask your neighbor or ask anybody else. It's, It's to find out from Jesus himself who he says he is. So that's the question we're asking and we're letting him answer. And so Jesus, all through the Gospel of John, makes some pretty strong declarative statements. He says, I am, uh, and last week we looked at the bread of life. This week we'll talk about, I am the light of the world. So I want to invite you, if you have your Bibles, to join me in John chapter 8. In particular, in John chapter 8. And we will read a a, a small portion of John 8, and then we'll read... Later, a good bit, a few verses of John 9 as well. As you're turning there, um, Jesus is, last week we saw that he's the bread of life. So let me just give you a little backstory. In John 6, Jesus feeds the 5,000 with a little boy's lunch. He works an incredible miracle to feed thousands of people. And then he uses that platform of that miracle To say, I am the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. And what we saw is that this was kind of pointing back to to what happened in Exodus with the people of Israel. As they're they're wandering through the wilderness, uh, God provides for his people with bread from heaven called manna. And, And Jesus says, your fathers ate the bread from heaven, but they died. And he says, but I am the true bread from heaven. And if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And that's the message of the bread of life is that Jesus is life. And if we feast on Christ, we live. Today we'll be in John 8. But in John 7, there's there's another short message in there where Jesus says, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me. And in me, you'll find a drink that satisfies. Now, the, the... illustration there is pointing back also to Exodus. It's pointing back to when the children of Israel wandering through the wilderness and they're thirsty and they come up on a rock and Moses speaks to the rock and out of the rock flows water that meets their need. And Jesus says that that was just pointing to true water, to living water. You drank of that rock and you were thirsty again, but just like Jesus told the woman at the well, anyone who drinks of the water that I will give will never thirst again. That's his message in John 7. Today we're in John 8, looking specifically at, at verse 12. So John 8, verse 12. And normally we, uh, we stand in honor of God's word, but uh, virtually, I don't know if you're driving, I don't want you to stand. But if you're in the house today, would you stand in honor of God's word as, uh, as we read from John 8 uh, and just picking up verse 12. One verse. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Let's pray. Lord, we look to you today. We point our eyes to you, Jesus. We need the light that you give Um, All of us are impacted by darkness and we need the light of Christ. And we see from your word that the light that you give is unto life. So God, I pray for those who are listening and watching online today 
that uh, the words of this truth would sink deep into their hearts. God, would you work a miracle and breathe life into someone today by the power of the gospel? And we ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If, if you uh, stood up in your living room, God bless you. <laughs> uh, in the house today, there's about 10 or 15 of us, and uh, we stood together to honor the Lord. But John, John 8, 12 says, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And it's a big statement. It was such a big statement that if you keep reading, uh, somebody from the crowd interrupts him and shouts and says, um, you have no right to say that. You're, you're making a, a statement that you have no right to claim. You, you can't make that testimony about yourself. So he's getting an objection from the crowd. I mean, imagine if you would that I made a statement right now that was so offensive that somebody in the crowd said, whoa, wait a minute, buddy, wait a minute. Well, that's exactly what happened when Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Somebody from the crowd said, whoa, you can't say that. So we really need to dig in and find out exactly what is Jesus saying here. So Jesus says, I am the light of the world. That, that word there is cosmos. The whole world, the cosmos. So I want to take a cosmic view, sort of a a scaled back 30,000 foot view of what this means when Jesus says, I am the light of the world. One thing we know is that darkness and light are major thematic imagery throughout all the scriptures Um, at the risk of being oversimplomatic. Light is good and darkness is bad. You know, even our movies play on this same type of theme. Uh, if you watch Star Wars, I don't know if you're a Star Wars fan, but if you watch Star Wars, Luke Skywalker is always presented in light. I mean, even the clothing he wears is light and bright. When we're first interrupt, uh, introduced to his character, it's in a very bright, sunny setting. And then on the flip side, the dark side, literally, is represented by Darth Vader, who couldn't be uh, any blacker in his dress. And so the light represents good. Darkness represents evil and bad. And that's, that's the case throughout the scriptures. It's not just physical light and dark, but it's a representation of the spiritual realm as well. So I want to just take a cosmic view for just a moment, and then we'll dig into a very up-close look at what this looks like. So the way John begins his gospel, it, it begins... Um, with some very familiar words. John chapter one starts this way. In the beginning. Now that is going to sound familiar to his original hearers. Just like if I said in reference to Star Wars, if I said in a galaxy far, far away, you'd know exactly what I was referring to. Well, in John chapter one, we're getting basically what is the sequel to Genesis chapter one. And in Genesis chapter one, the Bible begins in the very beginning of the book with this in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And as we read in the beginning of Genesis, here's what I want us to notice. The earth was without form and void. And listen, and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be what light. Here's the crazy thing. The idea of darkness and light is in the, in the Bible from the first three verses. We have darkness versus light. 
And the Bible goes on to say in Genesis that uh, God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. So we have this separation, this division of light and dark, and it's very natural for us, right? Um, When you woke up this morning, maybe you woke up early, got a cup of coffee, went out on the back porch and watched the sun come up. Now, as the sun comes up, the darkness that you walk out into begins to dissipate and it is overtaken by the beauty of light. Because light and darkness can't exist in the same place. Where, where, where light is, darkness must go. It's a pretty beautiful thing. This is a theme throughout the scriptures. And John plays on this idea back in the Gospel of John. I just want you to see a few places. In John chapter 1, he says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him. Without him was nothing made that was made. And in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Listen to this. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is Jesus who has come into the world, and he's come in as light into darkness, and the darkness cannot, will not, does not overcome him. This is a very cosmic view of what's going on, but here's one thing we see. I want to give you three quick observations from uh, just sort of a cosmic approach to this, uh, to this idea of light and dark. First, um, Jesus is the light of the world. And it's not an accident that, that, that John begins this gospel with a very poetic sort of reference back to creation. Because here's the thing. Our God created the whole world. Like the Christian gospel begins with in the beginning God created. And that means that now as Jesus comes into the world to redeem the world, he is the savior, the light for the whole world. It's not just Jesus is not just an American savior. He's not. He's not just an English-speaking Savior. In fact, if we're going to be real about it, he was an Arabic-speaking Middle Easterner who's not white. Okay? So Jesus is the light for the whole world. The crazy thing is God, in the beginning, God created everything. And now when he sends Jesus, it's Jesus has come to redeem everything. And he is the only light for the whole world. It may seem simple, but it's a truth we need to hear today. The second thing is this light gives life. So this light gives life. I love what verse four in John one, four, it says in him was life and the life was the light of men. Now, there's a harsh reality is if you continue to read John one, you see that Jesus isn't received by all. In fact, he's rejected by his own. So he's rejected. Light is rejected by a lot of people. But in John 1, 12, it says to those who did receive him, God gave the right to become children of God, children of light, sons adopted into his family. So second thing was this light gives life. And the third thing is this light is rejected by some. Now, this is not doesn't seem like good news, but as we as we continue reading through John's gospel, we get to uh, John 3, 16. How many of you know that verse? John 3, 16. You guys can answer. 
If you know that verse, give me a thumbs up on Facebook, all right? You guys give me a thumbs up in the crowd. Y'all are awesome. Uh, John 3, 16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. But you keep reading, you get to verse 19. I want you to see this. And this is the judgment that light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Here's the point I'm making. The light comes to bring life. But not all men receive the light. Some hate the light. They run to the darkness because they love they love the darkness. That's a harsh reality, but it is true. So when light comes in, it exposes. And we're going to see that in now an up close view. So Jesus makes a claim in John 8, 12 that he's going to make really clear in John 9. So take your Bibles with me. Go to John 9. I feel like we've been all over the place in John's gospel, but hang with me. John chapter 9. This is where I really want us to dig in for the next 10 minutes. So hang with me for 10 minutes. In John chapter 9, in verse 5, Jesus says, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. He makes that claim again. So I want to give you the setting and the story where we take that cosmic truth and we bring it to a personal, uh, up-close situation. In John 9, it says, As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, it is not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. And now verse five. As long as I am in the world, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground. He made some mud with his saliva. He anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. All right, so we've got an incredible miracle now. Jesus heals a blind man. And we're not talking about somebody who accidentally poked his finger in his eye and went blind. We're talking about a man who was born blind and is now made to see. Now in John 9, one thing we read is the man who can now see, he actually makes the statement that this has never happened before. No one's ever healed a man who's been born blind. But I want you to see four things from this text. Here they are. The four things we see is this. The darkness of sin impacts everyone. The darkness of sin impacts everyone. This man's blindness from birth should be shocking to us. Because it's not the way God intended. 
We go back to John to Genesis 1 and we read the creative account of God. Every time he creates, every time he acts, he looks at it and he says, it is good. This is good. This is very good. But when we look at a man who's born blind, it's not good. Something's wrong. It's not the way he was intended to be. And there should be something within us that rises up and goes, this is this is not good. That's what happened in the story. The reality here is that darkness doesn't fit into God's good creation. So what is it? Well, it's a portrait of our broken condition. The Bible says that every man has sinned. Every one of us are sinners. In Romans 3, it says there's no one good. No, not one. There's no one righteous. Romans 3, 23, it says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us have. So darkness affects and impacts everyone. Everyone is marked by sin. Even in our bodies, we're marked by sin. My body, I'm not blind, but I have all kind of other issues, right? Anybody say amen? You got some issues with your body, right? Our bodies are broken, and that brokenness is not a picture of a good creator. It's a picture of the brokenness that sinful darkness has caused. And it should posture us in a place of going, something's not right. That's exactly what happened here. Darkness of sin impacts everyone. Number two, the theology of man rescues no one. No one. I want you to listen to how the disciples respond to this darkness that they see. Even they're sort of baffled. You know, if this guy had become blind after he looked lustfully on a woman, they would probably go, oh, well, that explains it, right? He obviously deserved it. But because he comes out of the womb, an innocent, beautiful baby, he comes out broken. Everybody goes, what's wrong? What what happened? Did, Did he sin or did his parents? That's the question they ask. The logic behind their question reveals that our theology is flawed. We think that we get what we deserve. And that's that is not hopeful reality. The question they're asking is, who is to blame? What's the justice behind this struggle? Is it it this man's fault he's blind or is it his parents' fault that he's blind? Their logic says either he has sinned or his parents sinned because he obviously deserves this. When we think through that logic, it creates a problem for us. Because we have no place for grace in our mind. Here's the harsh reality. These disciples and those around obviously look at a blind person. They think of themselves as better and they have a self-righteous model that they're working from. Obviously, I'm not blind, so I'm not as bad as him. Self-righteousness, when light comes into the world, it exposes our self-righteousness. So the theology of man rescues no one. If we want to talk about getting what we deserve, we all deserve hell. We all deserve judgment. 
When the light of the gospel shines in, it reveals the darkness of our hearts. And if we get what we deserve, it's not good. The theology of man rescues no one. Third thing, suffering can be the stage for God's glory. I want you to think about that now. Suffering can be the stage for God's glory. So think about it like this. If I was going to try to sell you some diamonds, I probably wouldn't just put them in my hand and and be like, look at that diamond. No, I would roll out some black velvet, right? And I'd set that beautiful diamond and I'd put some sparkling lights on it so that the light would reflect off that diamond. And it would stand out off the blackness of the velvet. And here's the reality is that our suffering, our hardship, our darkness makes the glory of Christ shine even brighter. That's the beauty of our broken bodies and our and our situation of great need is it puts the glory of Christ on display And that's what Jesus says here. He says, it's not this man's sin or his parents' sin that have caused his suffering. But this suffering is the stage. Well, that's not exactly what he says. He says, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. This man's suffering, his situation has been, I've been sovereignly in control of it all these years just to show how good I am. And that's the situation of all of our struggle and all of our darkness. We have an opportunity in struggle and darkness to say, I don't I don't need anything but Jesus. And he may come in and rescue me from this situation I'm in, my blindness or whatever. He may or he may not. And if he doesn't, I get to declare to the world uh, from the position of weakness that Jesus is all I really need. And if he does come in and rescue me from my problem, then I get to say, look what Jesus did. He's so good. Our suffering and our struggle is the stage for God's glory. Now, the last thing is this. Jesus is the light that exposes blindness and brings Sight. Jesus is the light that exposes blindness and brings sight. What's amazing is that this man who is physically blind is is made to see by a miraculous work of Jesus. And all those around. All those around have a deeper kind of vision problem. Then just their eyes don't work. Everybody around has a, has a difficult time with this. In fact, the, the, the Pharisees, the scribes, the, the Sadducees, the rulers, they end up bringing this blind man who's now able to see um, in and questioning him and having all kinds of, of issues. And um, here's what happens. The man says at the end of John 9, he says, never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. So now the, the blind man who now sees is able to say, look what God has done. Well, they answered him, you who were born in utter sin, would you now teach us? Oh, look at the. Look at the way we separate, right? The self-righteous from the sinner who's given sight. The self-righteous choose their blindness. 
Jesus heard that they cast him out and having found him, he said to the blind man who now sees, he said, do you believe in the son of man? And he answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have seen him. I love that statement. It is he who is speaking to you. And the the blind man now seeing says, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment, I came into the world. Listen, that those who do not see may see and those who see may become blind. The end of this chapter is a sharp reality that Jesus comes in actually to separate those who have spiritual sight and those who do not. You either see Jesus for glorious or you see the light coming and you run back to your darkness and reject him. This is, this is the reality. I'm going to walk you through those four things really quickly because this is the gospel. Here it is. The good news is this. One, sin and darkness impacts every one of us. There's not one of us who can get to God on our own. We are all blind in need of a rescuer. Two, the theology of man that I can work my way to God, that I can be righteous enough on my own, that I can do good and get good, the whole karma type system that takes grace out of the picture, that is not hopeful for any of us. Doesn't promise anything but death. Thirdly, your suffering, your struggle is the place of need that Jesus wants to shine his light into. I say this all the time, but all you need is need. All you need is need. If you don't come needy to Jesus, you don't come at all. Lastly, and here's the good news of the gospel. Jesus is the light that exposes our darkness. It exposes our blindness and he gives sight. So if you want to see today, if you want to see Genuinely, if you want to see, come to Jesus. Look to Jesus for hope. Jesus is the light for the whole world. He wants to be the light in your life.